Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. You might you might need to come a little bit closer or else. Uh, or else. Or else. like a threat. <laughs> it sounded a little bit like a threat. My point about the jerseys earlier was that Celtic, famously known as the hoops, but an ex-girlfriend of mine tried to argue that they were stripes. It's hoops. Hoops and What's you, hoops? You can have hoops. Hoops can all stripes. They're a type of stripe. But Celtic aren't the stripes; they're the hoops. No, they're the hoops. Hoops are like is what hoop is, is like stripes like what he's going that way. Like what he like what Lewis Horizontal is going Horizontal stripes. Like yeah, like it. yeah, but they're called hoops. They're not called stripes. There's well, stripes in Portuguese. Anyway. They're stripes. Yeah, but they can be stripes yeah. and hoops at the same time, right? No, stripes are up and down. Hoops are around. We don't have that that distinction in Portuguese. It's, yeah. it's stripes, whatever. Stripes. If, even if it's like, yeah, you don't yeah. have it. No. Do you have many? There's not many hooped, and I'm going with hooped. There's not many hooped teams in Brazil, is there? No, I don't think. Not so. really. No, just striped teams. Just no, striped. No, of course, I think, Fluminense uh, have the. is like horizontal, well, isn't it? Sport Recife. But they don't really use the the hoops, the hoops. traditionally. Hoop. They have like a plain Hoop. jersey. The, I think it's more common. I don't watch them many times. Fluminense, anyway, have the best jersey in Brazil. I think we're all agreed on oh, that. Oh, but did you see the one on this, this season? It's terrible. What? This it's not season. the standard red, white and green? It is, but like the red and the white are thicker and the white is really thin. It's just weird. I don't know, I don't Worse like than it. the Juventus jersey? Well, nothing is worse than the Juventus. Maybe Barcelona is worse than Juventus, but bad. apart Barcelona from those two... bad. Apart from those two... If I were a Barcelona <laughs> fan and they just put squares on my shirt, mm-hmm. I would protest in front of, I don't know, Bers- <laughs> Nike headquarters. Put some graffiti in the... You have nothing better to do? Center. Well, if I didn't have anything maybe better to do, you know. But maybe after work. Okay. Well, joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Joanna Bueno. Hi. And Natalia Araujo. Hello, everybody. Did I get it right? Yes. Come on. I've been practicing all morning. Oh, so good, good job. I got your fellow Brazilian over there to, to give <laughs> me a couple cheating. of... Well, no, not cheating, but she just gave me, she pointed me in the right direction. He learned okay. fast. I learned okay. fast, yeah. It was good. Uh, Anyway, if you have anything you wish to wish to ask us, want to ask us, uh, nothing too personal, of course, but something more football-related than the address to do so is podcast at onefootball.com. Now, Women's World Cup, Brazil, and there's two of them, two Brazilians here. This might be the first time we've had two Brazilians on a podcast. That is true. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, there's two of you. You're out of the World Cup, beaten by France, 2-1. What went wrong? Well, I think uh, <laughs> what went wrong is the coach since the very, very first start. Uh, it was clear for everybody that he was not the right guy for the job. And uh, I actually think Brazil did quite well for what we expected. But yeah, I mean, when you are in a knockout stage of a World Cup, a team needs a coach and Brazil didn't have one. So he was getting his tactics wrong or what? Yeah, everything. His tactics were wrong. He actually, I think he doesn't really know how to deal with the players because in an interview he said that he made a comparison between women's and men's teams saying that they get way more like scandalous in the locker room. Like if the referee makes a mistake, it's way harder to calm them down during the break. He said this about the women? 
yeah, oh. he said that. Men are known for taking setbacks very well. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, you can see that he's not the right person for the job. Come on, people. Yeah. Really? The whole preparation was not very good. You can see from the physical state of them, like some players got injured before the World Cup started. Some players got injured during the World Cup in training. So the whole preparation was not good. And I don't think he had the team. He had the team's confidence. So it was a mess. And it's a changing team because you have some really experienced players and some really young ones, and you need to get them all together in a good way. And I don't think the whole uh, the CBF or the coach did a good job. But considering all things, I think Brazil did quite well, actually, especially in the last match against France, because France was way better than Brazil, and it was a very level match. Well, we were sort of excited about this for the in the previous podcast. You think the game lived we, up to the expectations? We were excited, but we all said like without any hesitation that France would win oh, yeah. like it was it was the big game like the two big countries playing against each other from the round of 16 but all uh, here with Hione and Alejandro and all three of us immediately just said yeah France are going to win this so actually I got a lot better game than I expected I think in, oh. the, in the group stages Brazil the two games that Marta played it was just like give the ball to Marta and hope she does something and I think Brazil defended really well against France they played a lot better I think than in the group stage and I didn't expect it to be as close as it was no me neither I was expecting a France victory as well but I was expecting a much easier match for France and I think Brazil did a very good job especially defensive and when in the attack you know you could see that we missed quite a few chances that were really good and you know they, we missed those chances at the end. And I think Marta played not so well, especially also because of that. You know, it's not just give the ball to Marta. You have other options, but at the same time, there's still something missing on that team. And let's hope that, you know, they make some changes for the next. What about that speech she gave afterwards? Oh, that, that was, was emotional, right? <laughs> How good was that? Yeah. No, she's amazing. She's, she is a true captain. She's a wonderful player, beating records. And, you know, we always say that she could play in any Brazilian men's team and she would be in the starting 11 because she's so good. But apart from that, she's a true leader. And the whole speech, I think it made a huge difference. She just seems like a good person, though. Oh, like you know, She's all the football stuff. But you were, you were telling me a story the other day. She turned up at like her local club or something, is it? And then she was like, celebrating yeah, wildly. celebrate because her her club in Brazil uh, got promoted to the first division, and she was nuts about it. And she put videos on the internet. I've never spoken to her, but mm-hmm. everybody tells me that she's a really nice person, you know, down to earth. Okay, well, good for her. Is she retired? No. Uh, not, not officially. She didn't say anything. She okay. said she expects to play yeah, another, to play World, another Cup. World Cup. So let's you are joking. Yeah. She's been playing it like every World Cup since what 1991 or something. Yeah, she's played five already. I think it would be. How her old sixth. is she now? 33. 33. Oh, she could still do that. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> uh, so last week we were—I I say we—but I was a bit skeptical of Spain being able to play or at least do anything against the USA. Spain made them sweat. Spain was so unlucky to lose this game. I don't know what everybody else thought about the penalty, but I thought it was a really harsh penalty decision. That in the end, which the first or the second one, the, second the, one, the yeah. winning goal, mm-hmm. um, and in the end, Spain have been knocked out because of two penalties, like against the the big favourites for the competition alongside France and the team that everybody fears when it comes to women's football. 
and yeah, they did not look like the worst team even. I don't think. I did. I was watching this. I felt a bit like maybe this is like the development of the of women's football, a new era almost. It because it felt like USA against every team they play. Basically, they're just bigger and faster and stronger than the opposition. And this felt like suddenly. Yeah, like I say, in evolution, they were up against a technical team that aren't as strong, that aren't as quick, but have the ability to actually play for, play against them and, and played some decent football. Yeah, and mm. go like toe to toe with them with their own strengths, not mm-hmm. just being overpowered. And if, especially now that we're seeing the game develop in Europe pretty quickly, Spain were were nowhere near this just a few years ago. Like Netherlands, it's, women's football's come out of nowhere. Italy are in their first World Cup for like over twenty years as well. And I think if you get this kind of European centric focus on technique more than the the North American way of Power. More, more more athleticism, I would say, if you want to put it in the nicest way possible, and strength and speed. I think that's what the focus is in North American sports and in Europe, especially in football, we have like a big emphasis on technique. And if Spain can compete with the USA like that now, then you wonder if 10 years down the line, the the women's dominance of football in America is going to sort of maybe not end, but it'd be a lot more difficult to maintain. Mm. One or two suggestions that the US defense is not what it should be of a team aiming to win the World Cup. Are they saying that they haven't conceded? They've only conceded one goal so far. Yeah, but they've not really been. They've not really been. Tested. I don't think they've been no. challenged that much okay. so far. Alicia, uh, the keeper, what's her name? Alicia Neher. She has a mistake. She had a mistake. She had a very Spain, bad mistake. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the tournament. I think it's been a trend for the tournament. Actually, the 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 so-called big teams, the teams that you expect to win all look pretty good going forward and uh, their weaknesses are definitely at the back instead of scoring goals. I think you can say that for quite a few of the teams that that will probably hope to go and win the World Cup. You can't say it about Germany. I think you can. <gasps> they haven't conceded a goal. Yeah, but like the first game they were wide open against China and Nigeria had a few good chances as well. They haven't conceded a goal, but I think it's I think it's been a bit lucky that they haven't to be honest. I want to talk a little bit about Germany because they've qualified for every single quarterfinal. They've won it twice. They've played four games this time around, won four games, conceded zero goals, like I said. Six to one. It's not a bad show. Germany? Anybody else? No? Just but they me? haven't really been tested so hard yet. Like the USA, you know, like mm-hmm. against Spain was the first hard match that they played and I think it was the same with Germany. And things are going to get more excited now in the quarterfinals. Yeah, but I think we can definitely expect some good things from the German team because they have so many good players like Leipold, Drehbreitz, Gwyn, Pop. I mean, they definitely did not have an easy time after the Olympics in 2016. But with such a good squad, at some point it has to work and maybe... You're backing me with this? Yes, I am. Oh, come on, <laughs> Natalia. I think Sarah Debritz has maybe been the player of the tournament so far. Like, she's been decisive in every single game for Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the fun fact. This was the first ever knockout stage meeting between an African side and a European side. Mm. Interesting. In all the World Cups. Uh, elsewhere, I'm feeling pretty sorry for the Matildas. And Sam Kerr. Poor such Sam Kerr. What went wrong for them? Anybody want to take this up? Because we were, because we were back, but we were backing them against Norway, I think, weren't we? 
I think they were they were the favourites against Norway, but yeah, I don't know. Norway took the lead in this game, and then Australia. It just was a matter of time until they equalised, and they went into extra time, and the red card just killed them. It finished them completely. And then Caroline Hansen for Norway was incredible. She just dominated the the game for the last like forty five mm-hmm. minutes, like the the end of the game, and then the the whole of extra time as well. And yeah, I I don't know. I thought the red card was really harsh. Ah, oh, totally. But I don't know. I feel like Australia maybe were just too reliant on Sam Kerr mm. delivering. 28 goals in their last 29 appearances. I think what went wrong with them was Norway. Norway found mm. their best football against Australia for sure. They grew during the match. At the second half was way better than the first half and the extra time was like the best football we've seen in the World Cup so far. So oh, yeah? I think so. It was the best match it was I, the most I, was, I was just about to slag off Norway. No. I, I don't find them a particularly exciting team. I don't find it either, but oh, okay. against this Australia, they grew so much in the match and, and they started, I don't know, they, they, I don't think they're favourites against England, but they're going to do a hard match if mm-hmm. they do, if they keep up the rhythm that they found against Australia. Yeah, I think England are going to have big problems against Norway. Yeah. Um, I did want to. T- they're not scoring many goals, Norway. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. But they're they're usually a very like stable team. You know, they don't play very well and very bad. They just keep their pace more or less. So if they keep the pace that they did against Australia, it should be a very interesting match. How far can you see them go? Well, I, I I wouldn't say they're favourites against England. I think it will be a very levelled match. But if they pass, then, you know, semi-finals would be good. For, for Norway, yes. For Norway, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I don't think they're going any way further than that. But Yeah, I think see. they can make it to the semi-finals, but dreaming about a possible final, I think it's, it's a bit too, too much. much yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a step too far, maybe. Uh, speaking of England, Lewis, has Phil Neville calmed down yet? I hope so. God, I'm slightly embarrassed for him. I'm very embarrassed for him. I think. What happened? To yeah, him? yeah. For those who what missed that, that, maybe you could just yeah, give a brief so I, I saw you, but what was so that? So during the game, Cameroon, England had a goal given. Um, it was initially ruled out for offside, and VAR. They went to VAR. The goal was given. Cameroon didn't like the decision and sort of staged a bit of an on-pitch protest, refusing to kick off. Eventually, the game did get going again. Cameroon shortly after halftime scored to make it 2-1 and uh, and then that goal was disallowed. A very marginal offside. Yeah. yeah. Literally the back of her boot. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously the players having already had the decision in the first half were furious. Um, yeah. And then after England scored the third goal it became a bit of a Cameroon just trying to kick English players and mm. sort of release some of their frustration. Um, Phil Neville afterwards decided that it was a really good idea. Uh, a, a man like who's done a really good job with England, but a man who has had no history before a couple of years ago in women's football thought it was a really good idea to preach that this was a terrible message for women's football. Um, that because men are such good examples. All the well, time. yeah, like this is the thing. If 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 men were arguing like this, then I feel like we'd be sitting here saying like, oh, they just wanted to win the World Cup so much. Mm-hmm. Look how much, how, look how important it is Passion. for them. But like, apparently, women have to set an example to five-year-old girls, 
And I don't know if there's a better example than being super competitive and showing that you can compete at the highest level and showing that you care as well. So it was a really bad look. Like you can kind of see where it was coming from as well. Like it doesn't look good for for, for football. Not it's not women's football. It doesn't look good for football when players are refusing to play because they didn't like a decision or they start kicking other players. But Phil Neville has a history of doing that during his own footballing career, <laughs> which is incredible. Phil Neville. I, I, anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I'm an Arsenal fan, mm-hmm. and Phil Neville gloated about kicking the hell out of Jose Antonio Reyes oh, at Old Trafford in, in 2004. Yeah. Mm. Phil Neville was on match the day a few years ago and they, they showed a montage of Thomas Rosicki playing passes with the outside of his foot and Phil Neville said oh if he took the mick out of me like that in training I'd go in with a two footed tackle and then he's moaning about Cameroon players being too aggressive against his players I, and saying it's a bad look for women's football when he's very happily not in the heat of the moment but off the pitch talked about incidents in the past and mm. said oh I'd love to kick the hell out of him because he shows off a little bit Yeah, it's a terrible but look. in Brazil, the commentators of this match they made basically the same thing. I think they did everywhere. Did they really? Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing because uh, you have players like, especially in Brazil, to have players like Felipe Melo playing <laughs> for one of the <laughs> biggest clubs in Brazil. And how is that acceptable? Yeah, you know, how doesn't that look bad for for the men's f- game? for men's football? And nobody talks about that. But yeah, it's it's really. And not just him playing, but being praised by the being press. Being praised being by the in press, every exactly. single uh, show in, on TV exactly. and, and newspapers. Mm. By the and president. And not being criticized. It's and the same as Roy Keane. Roy Keane gets a huge amount of praise, and he was out there, you know, putting in extremely hard tackles all the time. Yeah, it, it's like everything he made in the past is already forgotten. And of course, I took um, Felipe Melo as an example because I think everybody knows him. Mm-hmm. But we have so many, so many examples. And and yeah, things like that doesn't look bad for men's football, but it looks bad for women's football. I mean, come on, we're all human beings. Yeah. We all get frustrated. Yeah. And, Cop on, people, really. What was extraordinary about this press conference, I don't know if you saw it, but that he actually went in and before the journalist asks any questions, he's like, I've got something to say, I want to say it. So it was was totally unprompted. He just came out with it. Also said if his players did that, they would never play for England ever again. Which, well, let's see if a couple of decisions go against England in a later game and if his players just take it really, really humbly. Uh, Yeah, it looked terrible. Phil Neville, like, you've not been sent to rescue women's football. Just just try and get England as far as you can in the competition. That's your job. You can't go around telling all the players how they should all behave from all the different teams. I mean, he had some extraordinary quotes. He's like, oh, uh, you know, I've fallen in love with this game over the last 18 months. It's the same game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, relax, people. Come on. It's like a, a different. It's a different thing. Yeah, it's, it's, other, it's like, like it's a different sport or something. The, the, rules. the rules are the same, yeah. as far as I know. Yeah. And uh, we we had like a few years ago. I'm sure you remember Netherlands, Portugal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With, with like twenty yeah. odd yellow cards and like yeah, three red cards. That match is okay, you know. And, but and Cameroon like, is a bit too much. Yeah, and people yeah. people look at that game like, oh, remember that time there was like a big war on the pitch. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was crazy. But Cameroon yeah. aren't allowed to do it. I don't know, because they're women or because they're an African team. I don't know. But, like, both of those things seem to be kind of an undercurrent in the topic, and it's yeah. really, really troubling. To make this press conference even more extraordinary, one journalist who we won't name, but from a very big national newspaper in England, stood up and asked Neville, should Cameroon be banned from the World Cup? Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
banned. I mean, I don't know whether... Already eliminated. They're not playing anymore. I don't know whether the journalist was sort of, oh, maybe I can say this and Neville will rise to it and, you know, it'll be funny. But... I mean, he asked anyway. Well, the young keeps playing football even though he stuck his foot in Xavi Alonso's chest, yeah. you know, so should they I be banned from come the on, World Cup? Come on, people. And the, the chief of like the, uh, women's football in Sierra Leone is also like head of the board for African football. And she said, like, it looks bad for all of Africa. And I just, no one would ever say that if a European team did this. No. No, no. one would ever say like oh no it's like it looks so bad for Europeans and that's like that really that I find like really really upsetting like it's just nonsense just stop it people it's bad for the one that did it yeah. and that's it yeah, yeah. anyway I can understand their frustration and also I think we're going to talk about Copa America in a bit and the whole brand of Copa America is that every team <laughs> behaves like this <laughs> every minute of every single game at least Felipe Lemelo is not in the Brazilian well, yeah. team anymore <laughs> Shame. Thankfully. But he thinks he should be. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he should be. Uh, aside from VAR controversy and all of the all that other stuff, what did you make of England's performance? Um, okay. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. I, I think there was I think this is where they're gonna have problems against Norway. It was after after going one nil up, there were periods in the first half especially where the game was just really slow and England didn't look like they really knew how to how to create something how to speed the play up and if they do that against Norway I can really easily see them being suckered in and, and caught on the break especially if Caroline Hansen plays like she did against Australia yeah um, Faye White says England can win it Neville says he's not scared of anyone what could possibly go wrong Phil Neville's scared of angry women apparently <laughs> um, what could go wrong uh, France Germany USA Norway. Norway. A lot. (laughs) It's England at a World Cup. We've seen this story before. Uh, Two things to say about Sweden's win over Canada. Stina Blacksteinens, and I hope I've got the name right, might be my favourite of the tournament so far. I don't know if anybody else enjoyed it as much as I did. It's just a beautiful counter-attack. Okay, no enthusiasm for that there. And what a penalty save from Lindahl. Did anybody else enjoy that? Yeah, the yeah. penalty save was, was really good. Yeah. You prefer that to the goal? Yeah, a lot. Ah, you jerk. <laughs> okay. Anything else to say about this game? Not really. It wasn't my favorite game in the no? in the tournament so what far. A, what about Netherlands, Japan? Was that? That was way that was more interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was, was way more interesting. interesting. And I felt really sorry for Japan at the end because, oh. I mean, the first half was more level than I think... I, Netherlands actually like had the match under control until Japan scored, but then in the second match they are they were so unlucky Japan yeah. and and then with that penalty in the final minutes oh, don't talk it, to me you just you feel so sorry for the player that's not a penalty clearly no. come up she can't move her arm it is now that's but yeah now you can't move her arm from like yeah. two yards but away with the new rules, rules. Ball, yeah with the new rules it is the rules yeah. are wrong the rules might be wrong but yeah. the ref like, the ref has to give it it's just what the she rules did are. the right thing but yeah right like thing. how far away would you say the the was she when the when the yeah, shot I know, was taken I know, I agree. literally like a meter you can't yeah, move no, your hand that quickly. I, I agree, but yeah, it's the rule. So any touch. Yeah, and in well, Brazil we say that if you don't score, you concede. You know, so football, mm. the ball punishes. So yeah. that's what happened to Japan. They definitely got punished for you, losing a lot of goals. If you watched like the last twenty minutes, you would never and like and yes. stopped at the eighty-ninth minute. You would never guess that Netherlands were going to win. No, you would think Japan had won three yeah. 0 maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so many chances. Yeah. That's sort of been Japan's problem at this World Cup. Though. I think they've only scored two goals. Yeah, yeah. Was, that's two what, goals in the group stages, maybe. That's that's something that's a real 
sort of adds to the shame of it as well. This was the first time that Japan played really well mm-hmm. in the tournament, yeah. and now they're going home. Okay. I think like we spoke about Netherlands last week. There are so many talented players, but they've not really played that well yet. And yeah. you wonder, like, they're not going to keep going like that. They're going to have to perform at some point. You can't just keep going and not playing well and win the World Cup. Well, <laughs> let's see. Maybe. Uh, Italy threw after a 2-0 win over China for early uneventful game. Anybody have anything to say about this? No, I'm getting blank faces all around the room here. So we'll go straight to the quarterfinal draw. It is as follows. Germany, Sweden, Norway, England, France, USA. Wow. Italy, Netherlands. Should we go through each one and you guys can pick a winner from it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Germany, Sweden. Come on, people. Tell me what I want to hear here. Germany. 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 Okay. That's fairly (laughs) easy. Sorry about that. Sweden. Norway, England. England. I say Norway. Norway. I feel like Lewis is just backing Norway here, though. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think he doesn't want to put a, a hex on them. I'm not a, I'm not a huge follower of, of English national football, so... No, I think England are bound to stumble at some point, so <laughs> quarterfinals traditionally where it happens. Okay, this is a, a bigger... We'll leave the bigger one to last. Uh, Italy, Nord- Netherlands? Come on. Netherlands. Let's see if they start playing football. Netherlands are great. So I really like the Netherlands team. I'll go with Italy. What? That's not the answer. Sorry, yeah, Italian. I think Netherlands, they, they have to play well eventually. They've got too many good players. Okay. The big one, the really big one. The hosts, France against USA. USA. Even though they're not playing, they haven't been, this is they're going to be yeah, their first test. I'll, I'll go with the traditional one. Okay. USA. Tradition think, for Natalia? I think USA, because when they face like a real adversary like France, they're going to show their best football. France. Okay. And France to win it then? Mm, I don't know. But Alex Morgan just looked really injured the other day. And for some reason, they kept they kept her on the pitch for the entire game. Way too long. Yeah. And I think if she's not okay, then France will win. Okay. So Germany was the only one who got the free votes? Yeah. Well, that's true. I convinced you all. See? Well, that's good to see. <laughs> Uh, so as we say each week, podcast.com is a place to send any questions you want us to discuss. Now, last week, we wanted to cram in some South America talk, but we really just ran out of time. So we're not going to let that happen this week, especially not with two real life South Americans. Real life. So <laughs> shall we start with Brazil? What, what have you made of the performances so far? Uh, the two first games were yeah, horrible. There's a before terrible. and an after. Yeah. Okay, well, you go with the before. Yeah, it was it was horrible. I I still don't know how we how Brazil made the because the first two games the first because game. the, the adversaries were like <laughs> the first two games. What was it? It was um, I forget now. Venezuela, well, Venezuela. Venezuela, and uh, Bolivia. Bolivia, yeah. Yeah. The first game was Bolivia, and the second one was was against Venezuela. So, uh, yeah, they were both horrible, and especially against Venezuela, they gave Brazil a really hard time. Wait, because. Teach was getting his... Is it Teach? Is that how it's pronounced? Teachy. 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 Did he get his tactics wrong or what? He just wasn't getting the right players on the pitch or what was it? Because they demolished Peru. Yeah, I think uh, his tactical system is not a very flexible one on the pitch. So 
he cannot adapt to the situation, to what is going on in the game. So he plans something, and if it doesn't happen as he, as he plans, mm -hmm. he doesn't really know what to do. Oh. So that's not good. Yeah, I'm no tactician, but that's no good. Yeah, especially uh, when you start behind in the score, it's gonna be really hard. So yeah, he doesn't have a very flexible system. Okay. Uh, the players, mm, I don't know, they're there, but as I said, he he keeps trying this same system and he kind of forces the player to adapt to it. That's I what happened it, in the World Cup. Yeah. Like, when he needed to change how the, the how system. How did the World Cup work out for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he needed to make some changes, when he faced a real team, like a strong team, he couldn't change the team and yeah. we got two goals. and. Luckily, not more in the first half, and then we got kicked out. But that w that's exactly what happened. And you think he's going to change, you know, he's mm -hmm. going to learn, and he didn't. And he actually gave an, uh, an interview where he said, like, "Oh, if you think that I'm not a good coach because I can't change the tactics, then I'm not a good coach." And I actually agree with him. Okay, well, you're not a good coach. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah. a story. So, Check so that. Out. You're not yeah. A good coach. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and he changes he, uh, an attacking player for an attacking player, a midfielder for a midfielder. That's pretty much what he does. But he's been lucky that he's changed to some guys for an, uh, you, other guys that started really well. Like Everton, he did very good in the first two matches, and then he got in as a, in the starting eleven in the third match, and he made a huge difference. Even though I don't think he should have taken David Neres out because he was Is playing. Severina. One. Cebolinha, yes, yeah. that's the one. Okay. He played very well. Um, and I think also because um, he needs to show off, you know. He's playing in Brazil. He's not going to be playing in Brazil anymore after the Copa America. He's going to go to Europe, of course. Mm -hmm. So he needs to advertise himself. So. How good is he? He's very good. He's very good. He's Little Onions, right? That's his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because he's after the Brazilian cartoon character. Exactly. Well, I, you've I done went, your research. I went, yeah, well, it's my job. Uh, the, <laughs> I went and had a look at this cartoon character. It looks nothing like him. No, no. But I think he's... He's uglier. I think it's the hair. It's the hair. It might be I the think hair. It's the hair. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so tell us how good is he, this Sebelina character? Because he's been linked everywhere. No, he's really good. But I think it's more like he's fresh, he wants to show off, he needs to, mm -hmm. you know, do something, otherwise it's just gonna end up in Ukraine. So yeah. that's what it, <laughs> he's, 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 he's taking his for, chance. For a move to a big European club, so that's his moment to shine. He has to show off his skills, what he can do in the pitch, mm -hmm. if he really wants to to join one of the biggest European clubs. I was working out well for Brazil then, if he does that. No? Yeah. He looked, good in the, he looked good in the game against Peru. Yeah. Which was the, if the first two games were the bad, this was the good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious to see how he plays together with David Neres, like maybe one in the left and David in the, in the right side, because they're both young and they're both full of energy and they both can bring something new to the team. So that should be interesting. But he's I at, don't think Titi will do that. No. <laughs> he's at Gremio at the moment, is that right? Yes, he's yeah. at Gremio. Luan, whatever happened to him? A bad season. Okay, because there was talk. He was meant to be the next big yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He he played very well uh, with the Brazilian team the last few times that he got called. But Grêmio is not doing so well this season, and especially not him. So, and that's it for the extent of my Brazilian football knowledge. I might have sounded like I know something there once or twice. Uh, Teach Tichi described the win over Peru as one of his best games. 
Is well, he just is he talking that up with or him does, again? Oh, you agree with him? Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You think he's got a point? Yes, he did. Or is he's not just talking up the team to make them sound better? No, I think it no, was one okay. of the best Brazil matches under Titi and. But also, I think Peru was not such a hard adversary. I mean, they were playing well in the Copa America, and I think they are a good team. But they were very, like, open and offensive and gave lots of holes in the pitch, and Brazil took advantage of that because... First of all, because of the changes that he did, putting Everton as a, as a, in the starting eleven, and also changing a little bit the position of the players. And, you know, they were under pressure. So once the goal started coming, they, Peru just, you know, demolished and mm. couldn't do anything anymore. We love those Bobby Firmino no-look goals, don't we? Yeah, I th- and I think that's the kind of thing that a lot of people will, like, get upset about him disrespecting the opponent. Oh. It's just like, nah, football should be fun. It's I, fun. Do people in Brazil love Bobby Firmino? Because I love Bobby Firmino. I don't think as much as people here in Europe love him. But oh. yeah, I think, sadly, people in Brazil are more Neymar-focused. Okay. And they don't really see what's around mm-hmm. but they were asking for him during the World yeah, Cup when Brazil yeah, was not playing well every time he came in he played very well they were asking for him in the starting 11 yeah but I still think it's not like no but the people Neymar are is passionate of, like the, people here I I mean I know some Liverpool fans and they are so passionate for, for yeah but for Neymar Bobby. is out of this world we can't you, compare yeah. anyone do you with think him. it's because just because Firmino left Brazil so young, it has something to do with that. Because he in did Brazil, leave very young. You, yeah. In Brazil, you relate to the guy that played for your team, mm-hmm. or at least you have yeah. seen him before, even if he didn't play for your team. So you, he was you playing relate at with that. And nobody yeah. really knew what yeah. he was doing. And usually in Brazil, there's Wait, always Hoffenheim a are not a big team in Brazil. Uh, not yet. <laughs> no. And usually in Brazil, <laughs> there's always the coach always decide. There's always a coach that decides to pick this random, unknown player to try in the national team, and everybody's like, "What?" And then this guy obviously fails. But it was not Firmino's case. But when he was ca- when he was called for the first time, everybody's like, "What is this guy? Where did he come from?" It's but funny I, because, like because when you're well, it's funny because when you're European and you're growing up, you're obviously watching European football. But everybody looks out for Brazil, and every time a Brazil squad is announced, everybody in Europe is like, who the hell is this guy? Because he's playing for Flamengo or someone, and nobody's ever heard of him. But I think it's kind of difficult to make a relation between that, uh, because, for example, let's take David Luiz as an example. I don't remember him playing Brazil. Mm. As far as I know, he has always been playing in Europe, and he was a very famous player in Brazil. But on the other hand, Dante, he was playing with Bayern. He won the Champions League with Bayern, and nobody knew him. Mm. My grandfather, who is like passionate about football, once came to ask me, "Who is this Dante guy?" <laughs> and so I don't know. It's really like curious. Like some players, even though they haven't really played in Brazil, they get to the fans' heart, but some others don't. And David Luiz has charisma. Yeah, maybe. So. But and great hair. Firmino also has. Charisma. I yeah. And bright teeth. <laughs> Very bright. I, I That's my favorite. I have a story about his teeth, but I probably can't share it. Oh. Can you tell us after on the podcast? Air. Yeah, sure. Wow. Hey, look what you're missing out on, yeah. listeners. <laughs> uh, Argentina. Can we talk about Argentina? We thought they were out. They beat Qatar. 
but it's not going very well for them, is it really? Well, There's a look Qatar. of glee on Joanna's face, <laughs> well, I would beating say. Beating Qatar was not the hardest job they had to do. Because so. they're Asian champions. Yeah, but it's still, it's Qatar. Okay. <laughs> still, it's Qatar. But I, actually, I can't really say what's wrong with Argentina and not Every, what's everything wrong with might be the, now or like since forever because they always have good players. Sometimes they have good coaches, not this particular time but you know Sampaoli was a good guy and it just doesn't work and I think it, it has to it has to do with a lot more than having stars and everyone wants to shine on their own and you know not playing a, in a group which is football is a group um, sport but uh, I, I really can't really tell because it's just when you look at them you, you could think that Qatar can beat them when you watch the match or when you watch Paraguay, for example, playing against them. And then you, and then you notice it's like Di Maria and Aguero and Dybala and Messi. What the f- How can they do that? You can curse on this podcast. Yeah, can I? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. When I talk about Argentina then. There's an amazing statistic about uh, Argentinian managers. They've produced, Argentina has produced the managers of both Copa Libertadores finalists, one of the Champions League finalists, the manager of the previous season's Europa League and Copa Sudamericana winners, and five managers at last summer's World Cup. And yet they're stuck with this lad, Scaloni. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing there. Well, I don't think he knows what he's doing. How did he get there? <laughs> but still, it's... when they had good matches like São Paulo, still the team didn't play well. And then they tried Maradona as well, which I don't know why, but, you know, they tried. And nothing works for Argentina. And sometimes you see one match and you think, oh, yeah, they played well this match. So it's Argentina again. And let's wait for the good football to come back. And that was just one match. And then they played two tournaments, a World Cup, 10 matches, all friendlies. It's just shit. So. They, Scaloni, I'm blaming Scaloni, by the way. 11 different lineups in as many games since taking I over. I can't help. Yeah, of course not. I, I feel like when I watch Argentina, I feel like the players are like, oh, we've got to go play for Argentina again. Mm. And... And it's not like when they play for their club sides and they enjoy playing football. I feel like it's a real chore. And there's this, the longer this sort of malaise goes on, that it just sort of hangs over everybody and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And you and they're so easy to stop. I watched the, the game against Paraguay and Lautaro and Aguero are just constantly getting in each other's way in the same spaces. Every time the ball's in midfield, then there are just three players standing around Messi because they just know <laughs> Barcelona, uh, Barcelona, Argentina have no idea what to do, and it's just like, oh, let's uh, give it to Messi or mm-hmm. stick three guys on Messi, and you can't give him the ball because there's three people surrounding him. So, I, yeah, it's all one big mess. No leaders either, because Messi uh, he sets an example, but he's not a leader. I don't know. It, like, it's not a problem for Barcelona when he captains them. Well, see, I would disagree. I'm slightly. I, I don't think you can put as a captain a guy that throws up before every match. That <laughs> how he? can this guy? Yes, he does. How can this guy lead anyone and motivate anyone? And I don't know. Well, he just doesn't speak talk. For the team. Yeah, I, exactly. He barely yeah, talks. He barely, talks. He, he barely talks. And f- for uh, there was a while in Brazil that there was this thing about who's going to be the captain, and someone said, "Oh, Kaká should be the captain because he's experienced and mm-hmm. everything." And a journalist, I can't remember who said, no, but he doesn't curse. 
the captain needs to curse, you know? And he's like religious and... I get that. That, that no, makes sense. I, no, yes. yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. Messi is the same. He doesn't talk. It's not that he doesn't curse. He doesn't even talk. <laughs> so how can he be the captain? <laughs> and and like, when you have a team who? that has so many stars and everybody plays for themselves and they all play outside the country and they all play outside the country f for since they were young, so they don't they don't relate very well to, to, to Argentina and to, you know, wearing that shirt... You need someone to motivate them and to, you know, bring them together. And that should be the coach and the mm. captain. And Javier Mascarano, that's that. a man who could curse. Oh, yeah. But they were rubbish when he was captain as well. That's uh, true. That, so, But at least I there was someone in the pitch running around. I think yeah. their problem is not the captain. <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. There's a, lot, there's a lot of things there. I... Yeah, I wouldn't make Messi captain, but that's another argument. Can we talk about Uruguay? Do we? Does anybody want to talk about Uruguay? Because they're going to win it, so we should probably give them. My money has been on Uruguay since the start oh, of see? the Copa America. It was my bad. We had like a, a one football mm -hmm. uh, predictions predictions yeah. that we wrote. Who would no one the, predicted Argentina. No one predicted no. Argentina, but mm -hmm. people predict they would be the flop of the tournament. Yeah, and uh, among the Brazilian editors and Andre, who's Portuguese. I was the only one who said Uruguay would win. And I'm sticking to that. And they play Peru in the next round. Yes. So they're going to beat them. I think so. And then it's semi-final. And it's semi-final and Brazil and Argentina are on the other side. So So Brazil play Paraguay? Brazil play Paraguay. They'll and beat them. Uh, but it's a very Hope traumatic so. experience playing against Paraguay for Brazil. Why? Oh, we You've intrigued me now. Yeah, we haven't uh, been able to beat them in the last games. And I have a very clear uh, memory of the Copa America in 2011. What happened? Was in, it 2011? What happened in 2011? With the penalty kicks? Oh, I don't remember. It's, it like, they're talking, it's like they're talking about a secret here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure it was 2011 against Paraguay. I, I, uh, the Copa America was in Argentina mm -hmm. and I was there. And, uh, yeah, it was a really shock. I was watching it in a big park. Okay, I might be speaking something wrong right now because I don't remember quite well, but I'm pretty sure it was that 2011. Well, I, against I don't have the knowledge to argue and against was a, you, so And it was a huge thing. Like, people were really, really shocked. So it's a, a, playing against Paraguay has been a very traumatic experience. Can I check the facts before you publish the podcast? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> That's the way this podcast works. Um, what about... Oh, yeah, so, yeah, it's... Yes, Uruguay, Peru, Brazil, Paraguay. But are you going to at least say Brazil will win? I think so. I think Brazil okay. beats Paraguay. Even if they don't play very well, I think they beat Paraguay. And it's they face Venezuela or Argentina in the semifinals. And yeah. I cannot really say Argentina will definitely beat Venezuela because of the shit. We're going to get loads of emails being accused of anti-Argentina bias. Well, we're Brazilians. What do you expect? That's true. You have two Brazilians here and you want people. We've no Argentinian. If any Argentinian wants to come to Berlin and be on our podcast, just give us a shout and you can retort. I want Argentina to do well. It's oh, just, okay. It's just not very realistic. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't get shouted down by those two Brazilians there. They play Venezuela. I And then the last game is Colombia against Chile. James is playing well, isn't he? Oh, yeah, much better than he played for Bayern this season. What Did anyone play good for angry. Bayern this season? <laughs> well, I mean, we won the league after yeah, but Dortmund I, had nine points. I feel like Bayern didn't win the league. I, I don't think lost. we should talk about that. No, I, really I feel like Hammers was better, probably better for Bayern than everybody would like to think. Because at Bayern Munich, you're expected to win every single game by four goals. 
So if you win every single game by two goals, people get upset and suddenly, oh, nobody's good enough. No, it's not it. Hummus did not play well. I well you watched them you, all last season. I can you? give you a list of players that play well for Bayern. And Hummus We've definitely is not, got time for that. Hummus is not one of one We of don't, my players. lunch is coming up. We definitely don't have time. I'm he's, really he's, sorry. He's, I, I was actually happy when it was official that he was leaving the club because this season he was really, really bad. He was amazing against Qatar though. In this tournament, I feel like me and you could probably be there, at least somewhat good against Qatar. No, Qatar were, were really good in the the Colombia match. They defended brilliantly for the whole game, and the game was terrible. The game was so boring. I only watched it because I got home and it was like just kicking off. So instead of going to bed, I put the game on. What time was this game at? I think it was midnight. I think it started at midnight. Oh, Lewis, and, come on! But it was so bad, and like every ten minutes, I looked at the clock, like, should I just go to bed now? You know, you can turn it off. You're yeah, I know. I'm thinking about. But then I just knew something great was going to happen and I was going to miss it. We've all done and that. it was his we, assist. We like, yeah, and it was his assist. And the game was only interesting every time he got the ball. The assist was, was good, I'll give him yeah. that. He yeah. was superb. And Qatar, to be fair, they were actually defended really, really well against like against Falcao and, and Zapata up front. I didn't expect that. Um, but Hamas was easily the best player on the pitch. He was absolutely brilliant. Okay. Any other final talking points from Copa America you'd like to mention? I think Helmes has been playing very well. I think it has to do with the Colombian team. They play more or less for him. So he plays, he feels very at ease in the he's, Colombian team. And he said that he play, he, he likes being in Brazil as well. So maybe... He, he's a bit like Pogba. He you know, performs well over a very short period in a very defined set of games. And then gets a transfer. <laughs> yeah. Right. The crowds... Do we want to talk about the oh crowds? Oh my god. Yeah, it's a big, Is there yeah, something to talk bad. about? There's oh, no just, crowds. They've been rubbish, right? The matches are empty. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think it, it's really sad because it's a super cool tournament. You have so many great players there and uh, players that people in Brazil don't really get the chance to see live because most of them play in Europe. But the tickets are so expensive and people in Brazil cannot afford that. Mm. And, and it's crazy like how they... Uh, divide the tickets in the stadium like they, they have most of the seats with uh, the most expensive tickets the category one tickets mm. and people cannot afford that It's and it's really really sad I think it's really sad and the worst thing is that Common Ball says that they think it's normal they think uh, that they're not, they're not worried about that because of the South America culture of buying tickets really late, like mm -hmm. one day before the game on the match day, and it's not it. You have very expensive tickets and people cannot afford that and they cannot enjoy the experience. Sorted out, people. Yeah. Anyway, that's all from us today. My thanks to Luis, Johanna and Natalia. We'll be back next week on Monday to review the quarterfinals and look forward to the semifinals. Maybe a few more interesting things going on in the world of football. In the meantime, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast.onefootball.com. Now, Lewis, tell us your Bobby Firmino story and I'll press the stop recording button. <laughs> <laughs>